Well, it is good to see you, and I'm excited to share uh, God's Word with you here today. To, uh, today, we are going to uh, look at the final message on uh, what we're calling Easter people. Easter people. And we have been uh, taking a look at different people who had encounters with Jesus uh, after he was risen from the dead. And it's been interesting to take a look at what took place and the circumstances behind which these moments took place. And uh, I'm, I'm anxious to share this message. This is one of my favorite passages in the scripture because it is so, it is so full of stuff. I mean, to, to unpack everything in here, it, it's, and, and, and to get you out of here before four o'clock, I'm telling you, uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, but I, I want to share a message simply titled this, have you caught anything? Have you caught anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. COVID, the flu. Yeah, I'm not talking about that, okay? Uh, have you caught anything? This, the, the setting for this appearance that Jesus made has come after the passages of Scripture that we've looked at so far. Uh, we have seen Jesus appear to people like Mary Magdalene, who appeared right um, right on the morning that he was risen from the dead. We saw Jesus appear, uh, we talked about this last week, to two of his followers on the road to Emmaus. That was actually the same evening as when Jesus rose from the dead. We have seen Jesus appear to uh, a, a few of his disciples, 10 to be exact, and he uh, spoke peace to them, and, and, and there was quite an encounter there. Uh, we didn't touch on this, but we also know that uh, the reason why there were only 10 disciples when Jesus appeared was because Judas had killed himself uh, out of remorse for what he did uh, to Jesus and betraying him. But Thomas skipped church that day. Thomas didn't go. And so Thomas missed seeing the resurrected Lord. That's why you should never miss church. Amen. Oh, that was so good. You never know what'll happen. I'm telling you. So then, so then a week later, uh, Jesus appears again, and then he appears to Thomas, and Thomas literally puts his fingers in the, in the nail prints of Jesus' hands and in his side, and has this moment where he says, oh Lord, my God, and, and, and just this incredible encounter that Thomas had. This story follows all of that. And it's a very interesting moment, especially in the life of Peter. And I want to go there today, and I want to ask you, have you caught anything? And you're about to see what I mean by that. So if you're able to, uh, would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this together? I'm in John 21 I don't know if I said that or not, but I'm in John 21. I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to go to verse 12, okay? Are we ready? Say amen if you're there. And if you don't have your Bible, you can look on the screen, and we will have all the scriptures that you need on there as well. So here we go. 
It says this, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. Who are the sons of Zebedee? Do we know? James and John. Okay? Uh, and, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's John, by the way, he said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Have you caught anything? Let's pray. God, I pray that your word would speak to us in a powerful way. And God, I'm asking you to meet us right where we're at. Meet us right where we are at. That we would have an encounter personally with you today. And God, that you would do great and mighty things. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're about to do. We lean on you now in your name. And we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, there's so much here to unpack, I want to jump into it as quickly as I can. So what I'd like to do is take a look at some important parts of this story. And what Peter has chosen to do in this story, in my opinion, is very eye-opening. And I believe that if we're not careful we can be guilty of doing much the same. Now, let me pause here and tell you that I am not preaching against fishing, okay? Okay, fishing is not sinful, okay? Don't do it during church because you won't catch any fish because I'm praying that you don't catch any fish during church. But if, <laughs> uh, but no, fishing of itself is not bad, okay? Okay, so, so don't send me those emails, um, But there's something that Peter does that's pretty amazing to me. Pretty eye-opening. So let's get into this. You ready? Here's the first part of this story. What I would call compromise. Compromise. Now some of you are thinking, where are you going with this? I thought, you know, you said you weren't anti-fishing, and I'm not. Um, But verses 1, 2, and 3 we see something that 
really struck me. Look at these verses. You ready? Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also called Didymus, Nathaniel, Canaan Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Look at verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So that night they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Compromise. How many of you know what Peter did for a living before he followed Jesus? Go and say it out loud. He was a fisherman, okay? He was a fisherman. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, by the way. And Peter's brother, who may have been in this group, he was also a fisherman. But Peter, (laughs) after experiencing the resurrected Lord, after seeing him with his own eyes, twice, Peter made a decision that kind of blows me away. See, because if you look back in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to go there in a little bit, but if you look back in Luke chapter 5, you will see that Jesus appeared to Peter and James and John, and that is where he called Peter to follow him. And the scripture literally says, you ready for this? The scripture literally says that They left everything. They left their boat. They left their fishing equipment. They left their nets. They left it all. They left everything and they followed Jesus. So what did Peter do? Peter chose to return, to go back to something that he gave up before ever following Jesus. Some of you, it's not hitting you yet. See, Peter, Peter said, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave this life and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus. And with the exception of one time where Jesus told Peter to throw a line out into the water and reel in a fish and there was a coin in the fish's mouth and that's how they paid their taxes. Don't you wish it was that easy now, right? How about that? That's another sermon. But with the exception of that, Peter has never gone back to fishing. Peter has never gone back to the life that he left behind to follow Jesus until now. I wonder if some of us are dealing with the same temptation to compromise. We are tempted to leave behind something only to revisit it again. Dare I say there might be some people that are close to picking up their nets that they left behind Days ago, weeks ago, months ago, maybe years ago. 
Oh, your net may not look like a fishing occupation, but your net might look like a past sin or a past addiction that you had. Something that God has released you from. Something that God has set you free from. Something that you said, I cannot do this and follow Jesus at the same time. And now you may be at a place right now where you are tempted to go back to the very thing that Jesus called you out of. How many of you are following me today? Maybe you you are dealing with this issue of trying to return to who you were before you seriously followed Jesus. Folks, I see it on Facebook. A lot of Christians don't even try to hide it anymore. They'll post it on social media. So I know I'm talking to some of you. I ain't going to call you out by name. It's tempting, but I'm not going to call you out by name. But you listen, you listen. We have no business going back to something that Jesus called us out of. We shouldn't go to where Jesus called us from. Maybe for you, it's not a sin issue. But, but maybe you, before you really got serious with Jesus, you, you had this critical, judgmental attitude. You're angry all the time. You're just, ugh. you're not happy unless you're mad. Kick the cat, I'm mad. Don't send me emails about cats. I, love, I have a cat, I love my cat, love cats. But, but, you find yourself becoming that person on the inside and maybe, maybe you don't think anybody notices it, but to be quite honest with you, they do. And, 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 but on the inside, there's something going on and, and, and this is not like you. This is not like how you were when you were following Jesus. And now, now, now there's this attitude, there's this mindset, there's this judgmental, this critical, this angry, just, uh, and, and to be honest with you, this past year hasn't helped that. We, we have people that are isolated and, and not around people. So the only voices that we listen to are maybe the wrong ones that are on cable or the wrong ones that are online. And so we just fill our hearts and our spirits with all this. And pretty soon, what we don't realize is that enough of that going on, that stuff transforms us and it kind of makes us revert back to what we were before. And we're by no means what we used to be when we were five. Following Jesus. Could I ask you, are, are, are you picking up a fishing net that you left behind? In Peter's case, it was three years ago. Are you picking up a fishing net that you left behind a long time ago? Compromise. Now, I'd like to tell you that when we make these decisions, and, and sometimes, and, and here, here's, before I go further, this is not like you wake up and say, I'm going to compromise today. Okay, it, it's a slow burn. There's other things to contribute to it. 
And it very well could be at a time when you're weak. It very well could be at a time where you're not doing so well emotionally or you're not doing so well spiritually or life has gotten messy. And so because of that, that has contributed to you going back and picking up a net that you never thought you'd pick up again. You become the person you never thought you'd become again. You are doing things that you thought you gave up. But the sad part about this is that when we compromise like this, there are also some consequences associated with it. That's the second part of this story. There are some consequences that come with making this decision to compromise. And we're going to find them all in verses 3, 4, and 5, but check this out. Let, let, Let me give you three quick consequences. First of all, there was an influence there. Okay? Verse 3 says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. Let's go back over the list of people that were all together. Simon Peter. Thomas. Thomas has just touched the nail prints in Jesus' hands and in his side. And now he's not even a fisherman. Are you catching this? Thomas didn't even fish. And he got into the boat to fish. Nathaniel, another non-fisherman, in the boat, fishing with Peter. James and John, they're the sons of Zebedee. And then there's two other disciples. We don't even know their names, but they ended up in the boat as well. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. Whenever we choose to compromise in this way, there will always be someone ready to follow our example. Let me try this side. When we compromise, there will always be someone ready to follow our example. Even people who have never fished before. Even people who have never been judgmental before. Even people who have never been critical before. Even people who have never done drugs before. Even people who have never drank before. Even people who never looked at pornography before. There will be people who are very much influenced to join you on the boat. And you don't even realize. There could be even some unnamed people that you don't even expect to join you in the boat. But because they see you doing it, Peter, they will join you as well. Because they remember that Jesus said, hey, it's on this rock. I'm going to build my church. So if it's okay for Peter to do this, then it must be okay for me. There are people that see you raising your hands and praising the Lord on Sunday. They know that you read the Bible. They know that you call yourself a Christian. And they could be children. They could be your kids. They could be your relatives. They could be your neighbors. They could be your co-workers. And they see you and they hear your language and they know what's going on. And they say, well, you know what? If they do that, then it must be okay for me to do that. So I'll join them. <laughs> I, 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 bore the cross of having to golf last week in Florida. Thank you for your prayers. And, uh, and I did it so you wouldn't have to, okay? And, uh, and it's funny, 
my, my buddy and I, I, I uh, one of our missionaries and I, we went together and we got matched up with a, a couple on Thursday and they are just cussing every shot they're cussing. Now, you need to know, I don't drop the pastor bomb until I have to. And I kind of like the awkward moment when it happens. <laughs> so we've just finished nine holes, okay? And then we get to hole 10, we're, we're sitting at the tee box, and here it comes. I knew it. And they say, well, Phil and Jeremiah, what do you guys do? <laughs> well, I, uh, I pastor a church. I, I pastor a great church in Akron, Ohio. And Jeremiah says, oh, I'm a missionary. We do mentorship programs for kids all over the world. Oh, that's cool. Hey, we go to church. <laughs> I didn't ask which one. I didn't want to know. But it dawned on me, oh my goodness. I, I would never know that you went to, I don't know that you listen when you go to church, but I, I don't know, I, don't, I, I would not have known that they identify with a church, let alone Jesus. And see, our conduct matters. Even when you think you can get away with it. And you never know. You never know who is just one decision away from joining you in that boat that, quite frankly, you have no business going in yourself. There was an influence. Secondly, there was an incompleteness. <sighs> Peter, James, John, maybe Andrew. So here they are. And they're fishing all night, which is the typical time that professional fishermen would, would fish. And look at the verse. Uh, it says, so they went out and got into the boat. Look what I underlined. But that night they caught Nothing. Nothing. You want a hard truth here? Whenever you decide to make a decision to go back and pick up a net or a lifestyle or an action or conduct or a habit or, or a personality that you were or had before you ever met Jesus, when you go back and pick that up, you're going to find that it is the most incomplete, unsatisfying thing you could ever do. You will catch nothing. Well, I think God just wants to make me happy. So I'm going to do this. Don't, don't, don't do that with me. Because I will tell you that God will never, never make you happy at the expense of his word. Ever. You think God's up in heaven saying, okay, just this once. <laughs> No, you will not be satisfied. You will not be fulfilled making this decision. You might think it is. Oh, the air's nice. Oh, stars are pretty. But the thing that you're looking for, you're never going to find. And some people go back and they try to find happiness by going back to that net. They try to find security by going back to that net. They try to find enjoyment by going back to that net. They try to mask the pain that they're facing by going back to that net. And they do not realize that they will never catch enough. 
In fact, they won't catch anything. Not only that, but there was an ignorance. That's the third consequence of this. And maybe this is the saddest one of all. Verse 4 says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. May I remind you that Jesus has already appeared to them twice. May I remind you that one of the passengers in that boat is Thomas, who literally put his fingers through the nail holes in Jesus' hands and in his side. And none of them recognized the presence of Jesus. Are you catching this? See, here's, here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy. When we return to something that Jesus brought us out of, when we pick up a net that Jesus wanted us to drop, then what takes place is little by little, you recognize the presence of Jesus less and less. You could sit through an entire Sunday service where people around you are praising the Lord and you don't recognize the presence of God whatsoever. You open the word of God and it's like you're just reading a book instead of the very words of God. And what has happened, what's happened, you are no longer recognizing the presence of God. And maybe it all goes back to that choice that you made to compromise and go fishing when you had no business doing so. Are you with me so far? How about the rest of you? Are you with me so far? So then we see in verse 5 that Jesus stands on the shore. And I'm, I'm kind of translating this a little bit, but Jesus stands on the shore and he says, Have you caught anything, guys? How's it going? You know, since you made this decision, have you found what you're looking for? (laughs) Since you made this choice, are you really happy? Really? Are you just going to pretend on social media that you are? Since you made this decision... Are, are you fulfilled now? Or, or, or maybe, maybe you can come to grips for the fact that there is not one fish in your boat and you've not seen one fish in your net and you've not found one source of happiness doing things your way. So now it's time to do things God's way. Let me say that over here. So now it's time to do things God's way. And that leads me to number three. The third part is a command. Jesus gives a command here that I find hilarious. These are experienced fishermen who've been fishing all night long. Okay? Some of them. Peter, James, John. Okay. And so what does Jesus tell them to do? Look at verse 6. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and then you'll find some. Time out. Time out. So Jesus, you're saying that the fish are not over here, but they're here. Is that what you're saying? 
I've been, I've been doing this a long time, Jesus. Don't get lost in this. I've been doing this a long time, Jesus. I know. I know how to do things. So I know if I keep doing it my way, I'm going to catch a stinking fish. And Jesus says, no, you need to try it my way. But I'm, all night I'm going to do it my way. How's that going for you? All, I, I'm going to jump from relationship to relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to go back to that sin or that addiction that I left behind. I'm, I'm going to take on that attitude or that mindset that I used to have. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. And, and then Jesus says, stop. Do it my way. Well, Jesus, your way doesn't make sense to me. May I pause here and just tell you that rarely does it ever. Jesus, you're telling me, and this makes no sense to me, but you're telling me that if I throw my net here instead of here, I'm going to get fish. And Jesus says, that's exactly. I, I want you to obey this command that doesn't make sense to you, but it makes sense to me. You, you want to get back on track? Here's a way to get ourselves back on track. We get ourselves back on track when we obey the Lord's commands, no matter how much it makes sense to us. I don't want to forgive that person. Jesus says, no, throw your net over here because that's where you're going to find fulfillment. (laughs) Basically, Jesus says, lose the attitude and come on this side. I'm, but this makes me so happy doing this. Really? Really? You want true happiness? Get to the other side of the boat. Oh, man. We have too many people trying to find security, identity, happiness, fulfillment on the wrong side of the boat. And these are people who follow Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? So we're trying to find all of God's best, but we won't do it God's way. (laughs) I should say that again. You will not find God's best if you don't do it God's way. Someone tweet that. That's really good. And that leads me. Oh, yeah. Did you read read the rest of verse 6? When they did, (laughs) they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Can you imagine? Wow. They all moved from there to there. How'd that happen? It's because you did it God's way. Because you did it God's way. That leads me to number four. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Hang with me. But this, I, I, I have read this passage. I've preached this passage. One of these days I want to write a book on this passage. But verse 9 
has never hit me like it did when I was preparing for you all today. Because there was a confrontation that Jesus had with Peter in verse 9 that is interesting to me. Look at verse 9. It says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. I want to make you aware, and this is what hit me this week when I was reading this. I want to make you aware of what Jesus used to get Peter back on track. First of all, Jesus used a great catch of fish. Okay? Jesus used a great catch of fish. 153 fish, the NIV says. And it dawned on me, now wait a minute. Peter had an experience with Jesus before with a great catch of fish. Luke 5, check this out. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. This is three years prior. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, which is also Peter, by the way, and, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said, to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners into the boat to come in and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. The King James says, you will be a fisher of men. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and they followed him. Amazingly, Jesus used Peter's greatest first encounter with him to reconnect with him again. Are you catching this? Jesus went back to the very day that Peter decided to start following him. But Jesus didn't end there. See, not only did Jesus use a catch of fish, and this is the one that hit me, but Jesus used a bonfire. You know what this reminds me of? The bonfire and Peter? Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him, Jesus, away, and they took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. 
Verse 57 says, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them, man. I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Oh, And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You'll disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. As far as I know, this is the first bonfire that Peter experienced since that moment. And I got to believe that every time that Peter smelled a campfire, every time Peter heard a rooster crow, he was brought back to that moment. What am I saying? Friend, if you've made the choice to compromise, then hear me. Jesus is willing to take you back to your greatest encounter or your greatest failure in order to restore you. Amen. He was a great catch of fish. And he used the bonfire. And I believe both were deliberate to get Peter's attention, as well as James and John, by this case, Peter's attention. And here's my last one. And Ralph, if you can help me, that'd be great. There was a conversation that took place. <laughs> Look at verses 10 through 12. Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to, to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So here's the scene. They have this great catch of fish and they're bringing the fish into the boat. They're overwhelmed by this miracle. They've been fishing all night. No luck. And then at that moment, when Jesus stepped in, they caught fish. But, but here's the funny moment for me. Peter gets to the shore. He gets to the beach. And, and I'm sure he smelled the bonfire. Oh, Jesus is grilling. Brats? No, he's Jewish, so... What does, what does Jesus have on the fire? Everything that they had been looking for all night. Jesus had it on the shore the whole time. That thing that you've been searching for in the boat, Jesus has it on the beach. 
man, come on. This is profound. I've been searching for security. I've been searching for identity. I've been searching for happiness. I've been searching for something to mask the pain. I've been searching for fulfillment. And I've been looking in all the wrong places. And then I find out that everything that I've been looking for, Jesus had it. Come on. Everything you've been looking for. And you've been looking in the wrong places. You've been going to the wrong locations. You have been picking up a net that you had no business picking up. Committing to things that you should not be committing to. And this entire time when you've been doing it your way. Jesus says, now do things my way. In fact, I have plenty for you and your friends and anyone who followed you. I got enough. You want security? I got it. You want identity? I got it. You want happiness, fulfillment? I've got it. I've got it and then some. Do things my way. Come to the shore. Get out of that boat and come to the beach. Quit doing things your way. Now, now it's time to do things God's way and you will see that everything that you were searching for, everything that you had desired, everything that you wanted, Jesus has had it the entire time. The entire time. And Jesus says, guys, let's have breakfast. And we read later in this chapter, that wasn't a silent meal. Jesus actually restores Peter at that moment. And that's what the Lord will do. If you need restoring, he'll bring you to that place where you can interact with him. Do you think it's an accident that you're in this service today? Do you think it's an accident that you're watching this online today? Jesus has brought you here. And Jesus is bringing you to this place to say it's no longer about what you can do. It's about what I have for you. It is no longer doing things your way. Now it's about doing things my way. No longer are you to go back and pick that thing up that you left years ago. Now it's time. Now it's time to drop that and follow Jesus. Everything you needed, he's got it. Everything you wanted, he's got it. He's got it. Jesus is standing on the shore of our hearts today. And for those of us who have been tempted to make a similar decision that Peter did, Jesus is standing on the shore and he's asking this question, have you caught anything? And if you remember a few weeks ago, I said this, whenever Jesus asks a question, he always knows the answer. He's not gathering info. He's asking that question for your sake. And if you're honest with yourself and you can say no, I've not caught anything. This isn't working. Doing things the wrong way is not working. Then it's time to throw your net on the other side of the boat. And when you get to the shore, as you draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to you. And as you come closer to Jesus, you will discover that everything you wanted and needed and were searching for, he already has it. So he just invites you to come and dine. He invites you to meet with him. He invites you today 
to come and be with him. This morning, I want to give you a chance to respond to this. But simply, it's simply this way for you to come to the shore of your heart because Jesus is standing right there and the grill's fired up and everything you've been looking for, he's got it for you. Now it's time to eat breakfast. Now it's time to take what Jesus has for you instead of doing it the world's way, instead of doing it the way you've been brought up, instead of doing it a sinful way, instead of uh, regressing to what you used to be, now it's time to do it God's way. Will you stand with me if you're able to? Have we caught anything? Have we caught anything? I want to give you a chance to respond to the Lord because I believe he's speaking to some people today. I believe he's speaking to some people. And I want to give him a chance to restore you, to reassure you that he loves you. I want you to be in that position where you can encounter him again. And things can be like they used to be. Because I promise you, Peter, God has a plan for you. In spite of your bad decisions, hear this. I don't know who needs to hear this, but in spite of your bad decision, God has a plan for you still. He's got a purpose for you still. Because God's far greater than your bad decisions. And so I'm going to pray. And I want to give you a chance to get alone with God and have him meet with you and you with him. And when you're done, you can feel free to be dismissed. But can I encourage us not to disturb anybody who might be seeking the Lord? It might be at your seat, it might be at this altar, but, but let's just make this a time of prayer now. And let's let the Lord speak to us, okay? And when you're done, you can consider yourself dismissed of fellowship in the lobby. But right now, Let's talk to the man on the shore. Jesus. God, if we've tried to find the things of God in the wrong location, God, I'm praying that you would speak to us today. Speak to us today. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would meet with every single person. And, God, may we be restored to you. And, God, give us the strength to put that net down. And, God, to follow you wholeheartedly. God, we dare not pick something up that we left behind to follow you. So, Lord, speak to your people, I pray. And, God, let us know that everything we've been looking for, it comes from you and no place else. And Jesus, I'll thank you for what you do. Meet with your people now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you need to talk to the Lord, do so right now. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.